Unique yet common sense opinions on sports. This is Jeff Allen Sports Talk. And we thank you for joining us for another edition of the podcast. Coming up, we will recap the war on I-4 with UCF beating USF. And we will look ahead to the American Athletic Conference Championship game. Or the athletic, as Kirk Herbstreit likes to say. No, it's not the athletic, it's the American. And anyhow, before we get to thoughts on that, we will touch quickly on the National Football League and how fast life changes in the NFL. What you are in September ain't what you are in November. For example, Cincinnati, usual hot start, they have faltered. Miami started 3-0, they're now 5-6. Pittsburgh 0-2-1, and they've rolled off seven in a row before losing to Denver this weekend. The Texans started 0-3, they've now won eight in a row. Indianapolis was 1-5. They have now won five straight to get into the playoff picture. Dallas was considered done at 3-5 and and now tied for the NFC East lead at 6-5. And And Carolina was 6-2, and and now they've dropped three in a row. So, as Bill Parcells used to say, show me what you are in, in late November, and that's who you probably are. The only thing we do know is the Saints, the Rams, and the Chiefs are really good. Uh, The Patriots are the Patriots. The Steelers and Chargers also contenders. On the flip side, Oakland, both the Jets and Giants in New York, San Francisco, Arizona, and Jacksonville are really bad. And the Jaguars now have fired their offensive coordinator, and they have benched Blake Bortles. And did you notice the team I didn't say on the crappy team list? Cleveland, the Browns. They still have lots of work to do, but four wins and a tie so far this year. At least their arrow is pointed in the proper direction. So last Friday was the big game between rivals UCF and USF. The Knights victorious by a score of 38-10. And I won't say costly win, because that's not really the right term. It was an expensive win with the injury to McKenzie Milton with the Devastating hit on his knee, and he had to have emergency surgery. Uh, They have fixed, he does have nerve damage, they've got blood flow to his lower leg, and he still has to have reconstructive knee surgery. Football is a long way off for McKenzie Milton. But the Knights showed resiliency. You know, all this running they have done in the last several weeks certainly. Uh, paid off again. Greg McRae has become such a such a bright spot for this team, and uh, he broke off three long touchdown runs. That uh, one in particular, when the uh, when the Bulls had pulled it to within seven, they quickly got momentum back thanks to Greg McRae, and the Knights were victorious with uh, Daryl Mack Jr. coming in to. Uh, uh, replaced McKenzie Milton at quarterback, and he he did a did a fine job, and the Knights got it done in the takeover of the Buccaneers Stadium, which the Bulls call home. Knights fans, if it wasn't a 65-35 in favor of the Knights in the stands, I would be shocked. They really did pack the house, and uh, more no so more evident than when the lights on the phones went off. In the darkness, and you could see how many nice fans were in tow on that. 
and UCF got a hard, hard-earned victory. And now we move ahead to talk about this weekend's AAC Championship game, a rematch of last year between the Knights and the Memphis Tigers. And joining us to talk about the game on Saturday is Frank Murtaugh from the Memphis Flyer. Frank, thanks for taking time to join us tonight. I appreciate it, Jeff. I'm glad to be here. It's a big game coming up. No doubt. Yeah, no doubt about it. Of course, uh, um, Memphis and UCF have been uh, going at it quite a bit over the last couple of seasons. Earlier in the season, uh, UCF did come away with a comfort behind 31-30 to victory. Uh, what What do you think Memphis has learned from that first encounter? Well, I, they've learned that UCF isn't going away. You know, I, I wrote a column last week about the the need for the Tigers to find a you know a, a seasonal rival. You know, there, there are teams that that um, you, you got your Ohio State, Michigan, your USC, UCLA's, and, and Memphis doesn't have that. And what I was proposing in the column, Jeff, was that Houston, the team they played last Friday, was the most fitting um, you know program, uh, being in the same division that. that a school that we've put that Memphis has played going way back. But in actuality, over the last two years, UCF has become that rival. I mean, the fact that they've, they'll be playing the fourth time in, I think, 15, 16 months. And uh, that, that scintillating championship game last year uh, that, um, you know, I think there were two or three outlets that called it the game of the year nationally. Um, and then, yeah, the, the game they played in October. Um, the, the Tigers have learned that, that UCF is the, is the gold standard American Athletic Conference, and, you know, it, it should only be UCF that Memphis beats if the Tigers are ever to, you know, call themselves AEC champs. So tell me um, what Memphis, of course, had kind of struggled a little bit in midseason. They've gotten their act together, have won four games in a row. What's kind of turned the tide for them? Well, it's been a strange season, Jeff. Yeah, they, they had a, the, the two one-point losses to UCF and to, to Navy, but the, there was an ugly loss down in New Orleans to Tulane. And in uh, late October, they lost to Missouri. were just eviscerated. I think there was um, sort of a, a, a coming together. Uh, I think there was a, a cultural shift, perhaps. I heard uh, Mike Norville use an expression I hadn't heard before um, after last Friday's game. He, he called what the Tigers have now a hard-earned culture. And, you know, when you're one in three entering the month of November in league play, no one's planning on playing in a conference championship. I mean, I, I'm not going to speak for the other writers in town, but I, I wrote the Tigers off uh, around Halloween, and, and here they are with another chance at the, the conference title. I, I think they, um, they they looked at the schedule and they fall on all the cliches. So let's, let's just win next week. Let's, you know, let's beat uh, East Carolina and beat Tulsa if we can. And, you know, week by week over the course of a month, you put four wins on the board and get some help from other, other programs in the league, and you find yourself in a position to do something special. Well, yeah, I'm sure you certainly weren't the only one who, was, uh, who might have thrown dirt on them at that time, particular time. And then again, they've, they've turned it around, and they have realized the, champ, the chance to, to, to play for the AAC Championship once again, coming through with a, uh, a big victory over Houston last week. Uh, uh, Darrell Henderson rushing for 178 yards, and now the conference record uh, for rushing in the American Athletic Conference, uh, and uh, he obviously is the biggest weapon. I, I would say, uh, with, he had 199 against UCF the first time around. He's a really special player. You know, I, I was I've been around long enough to have seen D'Angelo Williams here, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna embarrass Daryl Henderson by comparing by comparing him to D'Angelo, except he's putting up numbers that 
that uh, that demand you know such a such a parallel. Um, you know he's he's a, he's just under seventeen hundred yards now, uh, and he hasn't carried the ball two hundred times. They've got Patrick Taylor, another tailback, closing in on a thousand yards himself. He's at eight hundred ninety four. So it has been a you know a, a two headed monster uh, behind quarterback Brady White and Tiger's backfield. Um, you know, alternating carries and alternating, you know, plays of 30, 40, sometimes 50 yards. It's a, it's a, it's a two-pronged attack that I think if the Tigers have any chance uh, this Saturday in Orlando, that it will be those, those two tailbacks, Taylor and Henderson, that you hear um, um, often and, and loudly. And interesting that, uh, you know, they were much, very much a pass-oriented offense a, a year ago, obviously having the great Anthony Miller at wide receiver. And uh, now the running game seems to be kind of – which is kind of fitting because UCF's been relying on the running game uh, as well as of late. And speaking of the Knights, what, uh, how will Memphis prepare since Mackenzie Milton now will not be a factor in the ball game? Um, does, is it preparing for a different quarterback? Is that really just stuff for the media to talk about? Or do they have to do something different? Well, you know, I wonder about that, Jeff. And let me say for all of us here in Memphis, how much we're all rooting for Mackenzie Milton. That was a horrid thing to the witness, and uh, we, we all hope he has a, a complete recovery. We're all McKenzie Milton fans right now. Um, as for, you know, how Mike Norvell and his staff and his team looks at the film, there's just so much, there's so little to see from, from Daryl Mack's time on the on the field with the Knights. Um, I think it, it's more a matter of identifying what they've done well, particularly over the last month. And as I said, you know, the, the two-pronged running attack, They've got a veteran offensive line that's managed to stay healthy. Three seniors. They got a center, Drew Kaiser, and a couple of tackles, Travante and Roger Joseph, that have have. They're the reason you've got two running backs that are almost you know, one well over a thousand yards, and the second one who may get there. That offensive line has been stellar. So I think you you look you look inward and you uh, as a as a football squad you look inward and identify what you've done well and emphasize it come Saturday um, on the defensive side of the ball. They're playing better. They've, they've come up with big plays, Jeff, which they did not in the first half of the season. They had a couple of sacks against Houston that ended um, uh, that, that turned the ball over on downs, and those are the kind of plays that you did not see in September, or October from the Memphis defense. Um, you know, they haven't had the, the takeaway success they had a year ago in the 2017 season. I'm not sure, you know, UCF is going to be that vulnerable to the takeaway, but coming up with a big play or two just a stop being on third down or fourth down, I think is that's what I'd be emphasizing if I were in the room with the Tiger coaching staff as if they'd ever, ever give me a call. But <laughs> that's, uh, that's the best forecast I can give you for how, how you would scout a team that's minus um, a player of McKenzie Milton's value. So tell me, how is the vibe in Memphis knowing that the Knights have kind of been, uh, uh, you know, pardon the, pardon the pun, a bit of a nightmare for, for, for Memphis over yeah. the years? Yeah, it, it, it goes way back. You know, it's, um, if I'm not mistaken, it's 12-1 uh, and one, uh, Knights lead in the series, and, and it's 12 wins in a row. There was a, I, I think UCF, when they were a Division one double A program in the early 90s, Memphis beat them, but it's, it's been one-sided, and that's where going back to my thoughts about finding a rival. To, to have a real rival, you got to <laughs> both sides have to win now and then. That has not happened. So, um, you know, I, I've, I'm not sure if Memphis fans are at a point where they're they're circling UCF games on the calendar, even when the Tigers aren't playing them to, to root against the Knights. Uh, but but we're getting closer. We're definitely getting closer. And uh, you, know, you play 
two, three, or four conference championships, that that kind of rivalry is uh, becomes sort of special. So, how do you think things play out come Saturday here at uh, here down down here in Orlando? It's going to be a, a fun football game. Uh, these two teams, uh, the losers are going to score at least thirty points. Um, I think it's going to be closer than the the game that's going to be head to head on the on the TV networks, the Alabama Georgia affair in the SEC. I think the margin will be closer. Um, I, I'd be silly to to pick against a team that's that's playing for its leader. Those Knights are going to be taking the field, uh, looking to extend a winning streak that is largely Mackenzie Milton's doing without him. So that that's you know you want to talk intangibles. That's one with a capital I. Um, but I, I, you know, the Tigers are capable of winning. Yeah, they, they've got to play as well as they did against Houston and erase mistakes. You know, Brady White threw a couple of interceptions. It looked like it was going to swing the game toward the Cougars there late in the first half. But um, they they found what they did, what they do well, and and emphasized it in the second half. So it's going to be a fun game. I, I don't want to give you a a, a final score. <laughs> well, uh, I, I would say if it was 62 to f- <laughs> 55 like last year, we would have to get the, def- the, the defibrillators out, right? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. No kidding. And I, and I really do think it's going to be a, a high-scoring affair. Uh, did, uh, let's, I'm looking at my numbers here quickly. Uh, Memphis is allowed 400 yards per game. UCF 423 per game. That's over you know, a three-month season. But don't count on it being you know, 13 to 10, uh, whoever's playing quarterback for either team. Yeah, no doubt about it, and uh, and it is quite interesting that uh, uh, a matchup that you know everybody was pegging uh, Houston to come out of the West. SMU kind of took their thunder away. Houston kind of rallied back, and all quietly along the way, Memphis got it turned around and uh, maybe kind of being under the radar a little bit. Yeah, I think if you if you were looking for an intangible for the Tigers, it's that that they they can consider themselves and call themselves underdogs that no one. No one planned on us being here except ourselves, you know, if you're a, a, a Memphis player. And, and that's the truth. Uh, they were written off. So um, last year it was a little different. They were on their way to it. They had already had it, uh, 10 wins under their belt, and it was two top 20 teams facing each other. This year you got a, a top 10 team in UCF, and Memphis isn't, you know, isn't on the top 25 radar. So if it, they're going to, you know, create anything on their own um, uh, bulletin boards that's motivational it might be that that you know here here we are and you know surprise well while i got you on the line let me ask you quickly uh, uh memphis basketball of course now penny hardaway at the helm of course very familiar to folks here in orlando as a star player with the magic back in the 90s uh uh how is how is that going so far you know I, i've been covering memphis sports a long time jeff and i've not uh, been around the kind of vibe that penny hardaway has created over the uh, the now nine months he's been um, in charge of this program, and it and it turned on a it turned on a dime to to go with a different coin um, expression. Um, the the um, attendance at FedEx Forum had, had dwindled. You know there were more empty seats than than occupied, and, and that's when when you know conference rivals were in town. Um, uh, Tubby Smith is as decent a man as anyone I've covered, but he couldn't sell tickets, and, and Penny already has you know sixteen thousand fans in the seats for Tennessee Tech um, may have been a little bit lower than that, but they're, they're north of 14,000, which they were not approximating last year. He's a, uh, he's a living local legend in a town that's, that's small enough still to feel like he's part of the family. They realize that he could have gone elsewhere. He, he certainly has the, 
the bank account to, to choose where he lives and how much he works and for him to devote himself to rebuilding his alma mater, uh, his alma mater's program is uh, it's pretty special. Now, it's going to take some time, and he, he didn't have a lot of fun in Orlando last weekend, as you know, losing two out of three games, and, and the, the fans around here get restless quickly. But um, uh, the signing of James Wiseman last year, you know, the top uh, recruit in the country is huge. Is a, a player that, you know, Penny's familiar with having coached him in high school. Um, you're going to have some special basketball teams, I'm convinced, in the next uh, two, three, five years in Memphis and uh, made all the more special by the very familiar faces who's now um, in the head coach's office. Well, we may have to uh, pick up a conversation again once uh, UCF and Memphis uh, hit the hardwood together uh, for that. Frank Bertoff from the Memphis Flyers. Yes, thank you very much for joining us tonight. I appreciate it, Jeff. Thanks a bunch. And I do agree with Frank, the McKenzie Milton, the groundswell of support that is going on for this young man is going to be a huge intangible for the Knights. Uh, something that certainly they're going to rally around. I love the fact that McKenzie's mom is uh, tweeting out about how much they love uh, Daryl Mack and, and how much of a brother he is to McKenzie. And, and they want us to throw all our support behind him. And, uh, you know, they, everybody's going to be wearing lays in uh, under the 10 Ohana movement. A beautiful gesture that uh, somebody thought of. I've ordered my black and gold lays, and the school now is going to put forth 40000 to give away as well. So there's going to be plenty of that uh, distributed at the game, and, and, and it's going to be quite emotional, to, to say the least. And, uh, you know, Memphis is not going to come in and feel sorry for us. And yes, I'm using us and we, and you know my my love of the Knights is certainly uh, uh, more than evident on this podcast. Uh, I think UCF has enough to beat Memphis. The defense has been much better since the Temple game. The running game has been just brilliant, and I like Greg McRae and Taj McGowan and Adrian Killens to uh, tote the rock a lot and have a lot of success, and. Uh, Again, I see kind of like working a little bit like the USF game where it's tight for a while and then the Knights end up pulling away. Last thought, of course, is the college football playoff rankings in which UCF landed at number eight. And so they are behind Oklahoma, Ohio State, and Michigan. Michigan got boat raced by the Buckeyes and they were still given a notch higher than UCF, which kind of kept them on the outside of being in the first two out part of the rankings. Um, Alabama's getting in, whether they win or lose this weekend, obviously. Uh, Clemson, they probably stay in with a loss, right? Even though it's to Pitt? I don't know. Uh, So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Georgia, if they come out from losing to Alabama, Oklahoma, Ohio State, might be the the slot that slides in. Notre Dame is certainly safe because they're not playing this weekend. So they'll have the status quo thing working for them. Just a shame that UCF is ranked behind Michigan. Uh, Certainly, I think, more worthy of a higher ranking, but obviously we know how that story goes with the college football playoff. And with that, we are done here. 
Thanks for listening to Jeff Allen Sports Talk. Follow Jeff on Twitter at Jeff Allen underscore 88, on Facebook at Jeff Allen 88, and the website JeffAllenSportsTalk.com. And you can reach out to the show anytime by email, JeffAllenSportsTalk at gmail.com. Jeff Allen Sports Talk is brought to you exclusively by Kramer's Salve for Dogs. I want to take a moment to tell you about the inspiration for Kramer's Salve for Dogs. I found Kramer as a small pup when we were living in Knoxville as I was taking our dog Precious out in the middle of a cold rainy night. We had heard a dog barking and whining thinking somebody had left him out on a balcony. No one came forth to claim him so he joined our family. Kramer struggled mightily with skin allergies. My wife Joy tried all sorts of ointments and medications and other than some temporary relief here and there, nothing was really helping him. Then she came to remember that people have used neem for its healing properties and after two years of intensive research created the best solution of its kind not just for kramer but for dogs everywhere kramer salve is a safe and natural approach to help your best friend live an itch-free life a four ounce six month supply including shipping is just thirty dollars or a two ounce three month supply including shipping is just twenty dollars your pet is family and deserves the best help your dog end the itch and hot spot cycle by ordering online today Today at KramerSalve.net. That's K-R-A-M-E-R-S-A-L-V-E dot net.